Hi there, and welcome to the Lost Outback Podcast. I'm Kevin. Yes, and my name is John. And we're here to tell you everything you may or may not need to know about Australia. Yes, uh, welcome. What we're doing today is our second listener feedback special. We've gotten a lot of comments on the blog and emails from you guys, and we want to read a few of them here on the air and, and, and talk about what you guys had to say. Yeah, so we've basically run out of ideas. <laughs> yeah, we've run out of ideas, and we're, we're, this is a stopgap. What we'd really like to do is end every episode with a question from our listeners or, or something they'd like to know how to say in Australian. So, so far we've been doing talking strong where we tell you how to get through a particular situation. But if there's just something you're dying to know how to say in Australian, send us an email to podcast at lostoutback.com and we'll tell you how to say it. Also, if you have any questions about Australia, we'd love to get into them. We'll, we'll try and do one at the end of every episode, uh, assuming we have enough. Uh, okay, right. So that's quite a good idea, Kevin. So rather than just trying to, um, you know, make a whole episode about talking Australian, you want to just essentially have... We'll do some mini talking Australian. Micro talking. Yeah, that's right. Right, okay. But we do have a bit of a backlog for, of feedback, so let's get to that now. Okay, right. Our first bit of feedback is from our uh, Lost Outback 18 episode, Bikinis at Uluru, in which uh, oh, yes, John yes. proclaimed that Uluru, Ayers Rock, the big rock at the center of Australia, is the world's biggest monolith. And Drop Bear wrote in to uh, dispute that. He says, Hiya, guys. Ayers Rock, such a fantastic place. I've been there myself. Unfortunately, it's not the world's biggest monolith. <gasps> that is in Western Australia, and it's twice as big as Ayers Rock. <gasps> He quotes, Mount Augustus National Park in Western Australia, 852 kilometers north of Perth, is based around the largest monolith in the world, called Buringura, but commonly known as Mount Augustus. Buringura, as it's known by the local Wajari Aboriginal people, stands 858 meters above the surrounding plain, 1,105 meters above sea level, and covers 47.95 square kilometers. End quote. Explain that, John. Well, that's just typical, really, isn't it? Yeah. It is. Like, look, it's, it's well known that essentially the entire of West Australia has, like, a massive chip on its shoulder. Um, like, just to give you some facts, right? Okay, Western Australia may be, like, 40% of the land mass of Australia. Okay, great, all right? <laughs> and, you know, um, for its, you know... Um, for for its population, it is actually kind of punching above its weight as far as what it contributes to the economy, all right? Um, you know, because they've got all these mines and stuff. It's actually very, very wealthy over Watch there. Watch your figures, John, because right? I know people will be looking yeah. these up and I, checking them. And every now and again, some crackpot in South Australia, uh, sorry, West Australia, um, <laughs> but it comes along and goes and says, oh, we should succeed from Australia and we should become our own nation. Really? Okay? Western yeah. Australia wants to be another nation? Yeah, because it, it essentially... It, contributes so much to the economy and gets so little out of it, you know? Mm. It's seriously, like, this is typical of West Australia. You know, they really, you know, they, 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 they just... They've just got a bad attitude because they're out there all by themselves on the other end of the continent. Look, if it was North America, it'd be like kind of saying, right, you had... Um, the, the capital in Washington, D.C., and then you have no population until you essentially hit... Um, I don't know, Los Angeles or something like that. <laughs> and that's how far away they are from the action. So basically everybody lives over kind of on the, the, the East Coast. Coast. 
in America. Oh, right, yeah. yeah. Everybody lives on the East Coast, as they do in Australia, yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah. And then on the West Coast, uh, you've got nobody in Australia, right? It's except that sort of for, size. Okay, look, terrible analogy. All I'm trying to say is that the, the West Australians yep. constantly are trying to diss everything in the East. So you're okay? saying they've got a Mount Augustus on their shoulder. Yeah, yeah, they do. A massive chip on their shoulder <laughs> called Mount Augusta. So look, all I'm saying is just like pay no attention to them, oh, right. uh, drop bear. Like unless you, you probably are a West Australian, actually. Um, look, pay no attention. Uh, look, West Australia, they're just making it up. Uluru is just an amazing uh, monolith. And if it's not the world's largest monolith, so what? To all it- our Western Australian listeners, that email address again is <laughs> podcast at lostoutback.com. Um, yes. Our next bit of feedback is from Steve, and I think we've read uh, feedback from Steve on this show before. Um, he responds to uh, our 19th episode, Talking Strine, How to Ask a Woman Out on a Date. And we did have a few mm, bits of feedback mm. from this. Qu- quite a memorable episode, it's, it's, that it's, one. It's, yes. it's an important thing to be able to, to learn how to do, and, and I'm glad that we could uh, bring that to our listeners. Steve says, Hey guys, quite entertaining to hear Kev's attempts at an Aussie accent. Where on earth does one hear such a strong accent that John is teaching Kev? Oh, it's, it's rife. It's everywhere. Everywhere. I listen to a few Triple J podcasts like Hack and nobody speaks like this. Well, you see, that's that's the reason. Look, this is a government conspiracy, right? Um, you know, Triple J, of course, is a, 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 a radio uh, station that's funded by the government. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like the youth radio yeah. for Australia, right? Um, but it's it's a it's a government conspiracy, and essentially, they are uh, hand picking, you know, essentially young Australians to put on that radio station, and they're actually it's a little known fact that they have to go through about two or three years worth of training to to de Australianize their accent. Um, such that they can go on Triple J, mm. and it's it's essentially they're not real Australian accents. So it's a bit like when you call like a call center, and and you can you can kind of tell that the person on the other end they're speaking in a in a very you know convincing American accent, but there's something not quite right, and you suspect they're they're actually from another continent, like India. Go and say yes, yes. Yeah, you're right, talking to an Indian call center. And yeah, yeah, all of the staff there are trained to speak with a near perfect. And, and you'll hear little corners that will be kind of Indian. Right. Well, that's the same thing with with Triple J. Yeah. You'll hear little corners of the Australian accent so, creeping out. Yeah, listen between the lines, and you can hear the real Aussie accent yeah. coming through. But, Steve suggests that maybe you hear accents like that on some sheep station in the outback or on the set of Kath and Kim. I think that's interesting. There are there are different kinds of Aussie accent, and it would be good to do a show and play some samples of these different accents. I think we'll look into doing that. But that requires effort, you know. It requires us kind of getting up early and wandering the streets with a microphone and gathering know, this, we'll you just, know. We'll just but... steal some clips from Kath and Kim. Oh, yeah, all right. Okay. And Triple J. One thing with Kath and Kim, that's actually from Melbourne. So the yeah. accent that they're uh, doing is like that kind of the hardcore uh, Melbourne accent. Yeah, Kath and Kim is, well, not, not, I wouldn't brand all Melbourneites with that accent. No, no, John. but this by the is way. a very, a, a sort of a posh suburban uh, accent, wouldn't you say? Kath and Kim? Yeah. No, no, they're, they're bogans. That's okay. the whole point. <laughs> Um, Anti-posh so, suburban. Yeah, yeah. Look, t- t- uh, one thing. Uh, we're from Melbourne, by the way. That's yes. the reason why we're, we're saying this. Okay, so Kath and Kim is like literally kilometers from our Kath doorstep. Kath and Kim is a TV show. It's a sitcom that's set in the suburbs of Melbourne. And it's the, the whole premise of the show. I feel like I've explained this before, but the whole premise of this show 
is that these people don't know any better. They're, they're, they learn everything they know about the world from watching television. And the shopping center. And yeah. the shopping channel. And, and they go to the mall every day and that's their life. And, and the, they're living the, the, the Australian suburban dream. <laughs> that's right. And uh, I actually just heard that Kath and Kim has been picked up and it's being produced as a US show. Yeah. Now, this really fecks me off, to be frank, okay? <laughs> right? mm. Now, like, seriously, like, um, the Americans get a, a bad rap every now and again for saying, oh, you know, oh, the Americans, they don't understand the world and stuff like that. And I'm sure that there are loads of enlightened Americans there. But this is an example of it, okay? Like, the whole humor behind Kath and Kim is that they're Australian troglodytes living in the suburbs. That's the whole point to it. So you, you- don't think it'll translate? No! <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, Steve goes on to say, Ah, oh, well, for some Canadian boy in Australia, wouldn't it be more seductive for an Australian girl to hear a Canadian accent instead of some comical attempt at an Australian one? Well, Kev, tell me. Yes, Kevin, I think you're more than qualified to answer this question. Do Australians think Canadian accents are sexy? I can tell you that the Australian accents are quite popular here in Canada. An Australian here would be quite successful. Know what I mean, mate? Well, why do you think I'm here in Australia? I'm trying to get this Australian accent to go back to Canada. Yeah, yeah. And like, it's another fact too, actually, ladies and gentlemen, um, the... uh, I actually am very committed to this show, uh, to doing these podcasts, but it's actually really hard to, to get Kevin um, into the studio to, to record these podcasts. And it's basically because he's, he's beating the women back with his microphone. <laughs> um, you know, like, you know, he comes around to my place and I open the front door and there's just like a crowd of women chasing after him. Yes. And I say, quick, Kevin, get in, you know, and, you know, I have to kind of slam the door and kind of bolt it and stuff so like that. true. Once upon a time, I sat in, in Canada and... Freezing. Freezing and couldn't find anyone to spend my time with. And I thought, you know what? I'll move to Australia. I'll get a sexy accent. I'll come back. I'll be set. But little did I know, little did I know how well the Canadian accent would go. Yes, yes. So, so- I think I'm here for good. Uh, I have a feeling... They wouldn't let me out of the country. No, 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 no. Um, uh, Kevin is actually a, a, a national institution now. <laughs> and he contributes to the, uh, I don't know, the gross domestic product. So um, I, I think we should move along. Okay, we've got another bit of feedback from Gordon. This is from Lost Outback episode 20, Sheer Aussie Art, where we, we looked at the beautiful uh, painting, uh, Shearing the Rams, um, and... and, and analyzed it and you had your doubts about its value as a piece of Australian art. Mm, Gordon mm. seems like a uh, quite a well-versed in Australian art and he has a few additional comments. Gents, an amusing commentary on an Aussie icon. One of the most interesting trivial facts about the painting was that the rouseabout, the person who cleans up as shearing takes place, was a girl, not <gasps> a boy, paid to pose who probably only died a few years ago, still alive in the 70s and 80s. <gasps> this is the, uh, the unshaven boy who was standing in the bottom left corner of the painting that we, we pointed out. Turns out it's a girl. <gasps> I spent the first 11 years of my life on a sheep slash cattle station and was amused at your terminology. Sheep are definitely shorn, not shaved. Well, yes, uh, John did correct me on I that. I think I won that one. <laughs> <laughs> Shearing was analyzed by experts along with several other manual skills and deemed to be the hardest of all. Very tough on the backs and kidneys with men often spent by by about 45 or 50. Mm. 
An interesting era in Aussie history indeed. The Shearers' strike, together with the founding of the Labour Party in Barkeldine, under the Tree of Knowledge, recently poisoned to death. Ooh, wow, that's that's quite poetic, that's really, a, isn't it? Yeah. It's a bit of uh, um, Aussie history there that we may have to go into. A, a dink of Aussie history, maybe, yeah, yeah. The Tree of Knowledge, yes. At around the same time, the sinking of the SS Rodney, a paddle steamer carrying scab labor up the Darling River. Scab labor, of course, is the, the people who broke the strike and went and worked in the yes. shearing station. crossed even, the line. Even though the strike was going on. You really had me wondering about the significance of the painting when it really is, at one level, only a snapshot of a factory. It will remain a favorite along with Bail Up and many other pieces by Tom Roberts' fellow Heidelberg School artists, such as Frederick McCubbin. Listen to this as my first taste of your podcast and we'll be sampling more. Well, thanks, Gordon. Yes, um, I'll tell you something about the Australian labor movement um, that is a little known fact around the world. Um, you know the eight-hour movement, right? You, you know what the eight-hour movement is? No, why right? don't you tell me? So you've got 24 hours in a day, yeah. and there was an eight-hour movement that said, you know, you... you Have to sleep eight hours a day? You, you, you sleep eight hours, oh. you work eight hours, and you rest or play eight hours. Hey, that sounds pretty so good. So it's eight, 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 okay? Mm. And this was kind of uh, a big movement in the um, 19th century, uh, because you know, before that, you had um, basically sweatshops, um, and you still have sweatshops. <laughs> but you had sweatshops um, in kind of uh, England and presumably North America, and you know other places around the world. And they would essentially keep people working for 12, 14, 15 hours a day. So this uh, is the nine to five, where the nine to five. This is where the from. tradition of the nine to five came from. And that uh, movement, um, I don't know if it started in Australia, but I know that the first uh, successful. Uh, what what would you call implementation. it? Implementation of it was in a, was in uh, Victoria. Oh, really? Yep. And um, Victoria had the first nine. Yep. Fives. And out at the bottom of Ligon Street. Yeah. Right where you in the Carlton suburb yep, of Melbourne. Right, the bottom of Ligon Street, so right on the edge of the city. Yeah. Right, uh, where you have the Trades Hall Council. Yes. Which was built by the labourers who had the free time. Mm. Right, so they built a building. Uh, you have an obelix. If that's the right word, obelisk. Yeah, and at the top of it, it has eight, eight, eight. Wow! And that is the monument that was set up in like eighteen fifty something or other to celebrate the eight-hour movement. That's incredible. The labor movement was very, very big in yeah. the nineteenth century in Australia. Is what I'm trying to say. That's incredible. Well, uh, I think we'll put Gordon's email down as an, a vote for a return of uh, the. Uh, the Aussie art segment. And I, actually, I know you have your doubts, John. Yeah, and actually, and, uh, Gordon's got a good point. I'm, I'm, I'm waffling now, but it's kind of uh, it's it's near and dear to my heart. But in Australia, um, there is a very very strong connection between um, art patronage and uh, workers' movements. Hmm. So it's it's kind of almost similar to what you'd see in um, kind of communist countries. Right, where easy? Yeah, no, 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 no. Seriously, where essentially this, like the the socialist, the the the, the labor movement has had a very very strong that patronage. Email address again. <laughs> podcast. I'm trying. I'm trying to be serious. Okay, like okay. have a very very strong patronage of the arts. Yep. Okay, and you know that uh, essentially shearing of the rams is is an example of it, a political painting. Anyway, I've said enough. I'll is, shut up. Is Shearing the Rams a communist painting, John? No, but it's a painting that has essentially a, a, a political uh, point to it. Yes. And it's a, a, a point that is a, a socialist um, idea, you mm. know. Okay, I've said enough. Okay, look, I'm, I'm, I'm stopping there, okay? <laughs> All right. 
Our last bit of feedback that I wanted to get to again is from Lost Out Back episode 19, How to Ask an Aussie Woman Out on a Date. And this is from Catherine. She says, oh my, I don't know how I found this site, but I'm ever so glad I did. Hearing Kevin's attempts to seduce an Australian woman had me in tears of laughter. Being an Australian female myself, mm-hmm, I know a good thing when I hear it. Apart from swooning madly, your seductive techniques are up there with Casanova, Kevin. Maybe a little okay not. However, I was laughing quite hard. Want to know the best kept secret to getting points with an Australian woman? Make her laugh. Guaranteed success. Steve was right about having more success using your own accent. Canadian is quite popular, but I believe Irish and Scottish are the reigning champions in regard to having an Aussie female fan base. There you go, John. I, I, I tell I, Embrace that, your Irish heritage. I, I have to admit, it is true, okay? Like, I, I've seen some, like, uh, butt-ugly Irishmen, <laughs> okay, with, you know, uh, wearing tracksuit pants yeah. and, you know, brown lace-up shoes and comb-over hair, you know, just kind of come into a party and, you know, women just run. And then he kind of goes and says... Um, oh, uh, can I have a beer or something like that? Yeah. And then all of a sudden they flock upon him. Yes. Um, th- it is true. Well, that's, that's you know, our, our secrets are laying bare, John. We're, we're, we're both here in Australia for one obvious reason. Yes, yes, to, to uh, find Australian women. To and take advantage of our natural gifts. Yes, our natural resources. <laughs> so, so come down to Australia, you know what I mean? Bring your accent. Bring your accent. See yeah. how it goes. If there's any listeners out there who have some kind of accent and you're wondering <laughs> how it would go in Australia... You know what? Send us an email. Even send us a sample. Send us. Oh, cool. You know, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Record yourself. Wow. Ask us a question. And we'll run it past our, our respective girlfriends. And, and, you know, we'll let you know how, how you would go in Australia if you did come here. Yeah, yeah. That'd be great. You know, people could record their voices and then we could incorporate it into the show. They could, you know, they could ask Australian women out. Yeah. And we could kind of say how successful they'd be. We're going to set up an Australian women's focus group and we'll we'll let you know if it's worth yeah. considering a move down here to Australia. Brilliant. Catherine finishes up. Cheers for the entertainment. As for the frog in a sock business, very amusing, but really random. I have no idea what in the middle of nowhere pub you heard that, but it's definitely a winner. Yes. Thanks again to everyone who uh, wrote in with the feedback that we've read in this episode. Once again, the email address to send it to is podcast at lostoutback.com or simply visit our website at www.lostoutback.com and leave a comment on whatever episode you're interested in. We would love to play your questions and 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 the bits of, of language that you would like to hear translated into Australian. And we'll try and do one of those at the end of every, every episode from here on. Yeah. And look, and any other ideas you have as well, too, you know, like, you know, fire it, you know, fire it our way. We, we, we might even think it's a good idea. We might even do it. Or you know? we might you not, know, not read do out it. your idea and make fun of it. Yeah. And laugh at you. Ha <laughs> ha. No, no, no. We might. We, look, seriously, if you've got a good idea. Um, don't sit in it. Send it to us. This, once again, has been the Lost Outback Podcast. I'm Kevin. Yes, and I'm John. And And thanks for listening. Yes, yes. Bye-bye.